Hello and welcome to Furloughed, defining moments worth talking about. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and as always, Steve Otterstrom is with us today. And Steve, exciting news and developments this week, so I will start off by sharing some great news. I have a job. I will be returning to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so after six months of being on furlough, uh, I will be returning to work uh, in early October. And so just a matter of a a week, actually, I'll be returning to work. And we've got our reorientation documentation and some of that kind of fun stuff to wade through and get a lot of things up and going. But uh, uh, not everybody was as fortunate as myself. Some additional folks were laid off uh, as a result of uh, the second furlough ending. And unfortunately, travel industry just is not bouncing as quickly as we'd like. So it did impact some of some folks um, in the larger scale of the company. I, I'm not really sure if it's affected anyone that I personally know just yet, but I have heard of some of the departments that are being impacted uh, where where it's just doesn't warrant uh, the, the business terminology is it doesn't warrant them returning yet, unfortunately. So so how how are you doing? Well, still unemployed. <laughs> well, still an independent contractor, I believe, exactly. is what we settled that on, was, wasn't it? Is the, exactly. <laughs> and and truth be told, um, I have been I have been working really almost through the entire pandemic, so I I can't I can't complain. Um, other than you know, as I did see those happy emails pop through, people said you know my my former colleagues finally going back to work, finally going back to work. It was a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm still, yeah. I'm still not. That said, uh, things are going really well. I, I am really discovering that there is a, a wider, larger world for independent contractors out there. And while I would have never, it was never in my plan to become an independent contractor to go completely free, freelance um, in the training world. Um, I think it's going to work out. I think you know, even as I've, I've done. Fewer and fewer. I, in fact, I don't even think I filled out a job application in the last month because I see the potential just to make this work. So um, hopefully someday uh, when you're back and, and uh, uh, the hospitality industry is doing great, you can hire a very high priced contractor to come do some work for you. <laughs> Well, I could certainly give you a referral anyhow, Steve. How's that? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, my. But it's, it has been um, interesting. You know, I think there's been a lot um, going on in the news. And, and I feel like the entire time that we've been going through this furloughed experience, there's never been a week that we're like, well, there's really nothing in the news <laughs> to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And and certainly, um, you know, there there have been things this week. I mean, we had um, the grand jury's decision and the Breonna Taylor um case i don't know if i would call it case and put her name in it because she's not accused of anything she was the victim of 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 a circumstance and um i know that that certainly has led to some some responses um across the country and uh you know it's it's just circumstances that like that are are heartbreaking it's it's so difficult to see um loss of life that doesn't really have to be lost 
And then also there just not being a good way to fix it. And I, I'm not trying to take a stand either on whether or not um, she or, or the police officers involved should have been charged. It's just that she's dead and she shouldn't be. <laughs> and yeah. and, and yeah. That, there's no fixing that. There, even, even if someone were charged, there's no fixing that she's dead and she shouldn't be. And, and, I think sometimes we this week I had this kind of thought about how we sometimes lose track of the prize and the prize I think in this case would be figuring out how we wouldn't have a warrant issued on such bad evidence again you know how when how do we relook at things like no knock warrants and things those are some things that kind of went through my mind um, and maybe eliminating them in cases where it's not absolutely 100% necessary because no matter what, this was a dangerous situation, even for the people in apartments next door, even if it had been actual drug dealers living there, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, it, totally imagine the adrenaline rush of busting through a door and being shot at and how would you respond and all that? So yeah, it's a, uh, it's not, a sticky, not with sticky situation crumpets, from my for chair. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we could probably spend a whole episode running down a rabbit hole with some of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, more of I an mean, acknowledgement of that news piece than really one yeah. that we'll even try and, and cover today. But uh, something yeah. that was on my mind. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it is complex as well because the court of public opinion is much louder than the results of what happened or allegedly happened. Uh, I'm just now hearing news of some of the things that occurred or allegedly occurred during the shooting. And I've known for days now that people were protesting and concerned about her death, which, like you say, is unfortunate, regardless of circumstance. But it's just uh, once upon a time, we lived by the rule of innocent till proven guilty. And we supposedly gathered all the facts and built a case. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're in a position where that happens anymore with the speed of internet and the speed of video and the speed of communication so it's it's really difficult on all sides i think well uh, we know neurologically sort of that through once you come to a conclusion or once you have a belief generally speaking yeah. that belief is what you weigh the facts against so if the facts support yeah. your belief then you deem those as good facts if they don't support your belief then you deem those as bad facts and I think also yeah. there's that, um, we've talked about this a little bit before, like kind of a tribalism or uh, an aspect of which side am I on? If, I, if I'm on the, this side, then that also will skew the way uh, that I see evidence and see things coming, you know, about. Um, I think what we can all agree on is we need to have, we need to find a way for things to be safer <laughs> across the mm -hmm. board. We, we need... Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's just oversimplifying things. And I'm sure, I'm certain it is. Um, yes, <laughs> I'm certain it is. <laughs> but hey, wouldn't it be great if life were that simple though? <laughs> exactly. It, it goes that, to what Rodney King said. Can't we just all get along? Like that, that, <laughs> that, that is really the answer. We just, we just need yes. to get along. Um, but you know, like, like you said, that's really not where we're headed today. That was just kind of, um, acknowledging what's in the news cycle, um, as, yes. as we go into the next, the other thing I think I just in acknowledging in the news cycle, I don't want to ever forget this on any of our podcasts as we get, uh, closer. And that is remember 
that uh, registering to vote is something you all need to do. <laughs> it is required if you listen to this podcast and you're in the United States and over the age of 18 and legal to vote. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know if we can say it's required, but I'm going to say it's required. <laughs> you got to go register to vote and be ready to vote. Yeah. Um, and many, I think that window is closing quickly too, depending where you live. Depending so on where you're sure at, some you move on it. Some places you can do it the day of. I'll, I wouldn't. I wouldn't count on that. Uh, but in in some places, you can already go out and vote. Um, you know, Michigan, Vermont, Virginia, New Jersey. Those all uh, start 45 days out with some form of early voting. So, um, you know, no excuses there. Uh, Vote.gov is where you can go to get information if you don't know how to register. We had a whole podcast about this, so you can go back and, 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 and listen to that again if you um, are still not convinced. But either way, that is also not what we're talking about today. So eight minutes into it, and I have not really um, said anything about what we're really talking about. And uh, what we're talking about today, going again into the aspect of being in this pandemic, Leonard's going back to work in the travel industry, which is fantastic. But Leonard has has been sitting, not sitting around, he's found things to do, but has not been able to yes. work in the travel industry for what, almost six months now? Yes, yes, April yeah. 4. What, yeah, it's a long time uh, because yes. of the pandemic and what the pandemic has done to the travel in this industry. So we have um, an expert uh, on travel and specifically hospitality uh, that is jo- joining us today, uh, Zach Crump. And Zach not only can tell us about hospitality pre-pandemic, but he has had the opportunity to do a fair amount of travel during this pandemic. So if any of you are sitting here uh, listening and thinking, what is it like to go into a hotel nowadays? Do you, do you walk in and you put a hazmat suit on? Do they, um, you know, bathe you in bleach? So that, you know, (laughs) what is it like? What is travel like today? Uh, Zach can tell you. And uh, because of his experience in, in the travel industry, he's got some really interesting insights on what travel might look like in our post-pandemic world uh, when when we get to that point. So uh, without further ado, Zach, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Well, uh, thank you so much, Stephen Leonard. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here with you both. And as we get started, Zach, why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey into travel? Uh, did, did it start with you as little kindergartner going, when I grow up, I want to work um, in the travel industry or, or <laughs> how, well, how did you get to where you're at today? Actually, that that's kind of is the story. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I love travel and it did start uh, actually in kindergarten. I was on a family trip uh, to California and we were staying at the Ritz Carlton Laguna Niguel. And I just thought that it was the, you know, the greatest thing, the grandest hotel, uh, which it is a very nice hotel. Um, and I was all about just finding out about what, how, how hotels work, how they operate. So I was actually at the front desk asking for a back of house tour. Um, and I got one, uh, and then, you know, it's kind of, I just never veered off that path uh, of hospitality. I, you know, my parents throughout you know, stages were like, you know, you know, do you know what you want to do? You know, when I got to high school and I was like, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do hotels. I'm going to do something with travel. Um, and I had this aspiration, you know, I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to live in a different country. Uh, and 
that's what I've done. And that's what, uh, you know, that's the path that I followed and I'm still on that path. And I don't have any, um, any inkling of, of stopping or, or going a different direction. I still want to have some connection to the hospitality and travel industry. Wow. You know, um, I've been in the training side of, of hospitality for 20 years. Leonard, how many years have you been in the, in the uh, of, of hospitality? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I actually, about 25 uh, years of actual hotel hospitality, and then I uh, do have food service background <laughs> prior, so different area of hospitality there. In but, all yeah. that time, did you ever hear anyone? I mean, I've had so many orientations that I facilitated and been in. Um, have you ever heard someone say, <laughs> "I chose hospitality as a kid, and it's what I've always dreamed of doing"? No, I, I, I think Zach is probably the first, <laughs> unless there's a second one that I've forgotten somewhere out there. But yeah, no, that's awesome, Zach. And so, Zach, Steve mentioned that you've had opportunity during the pandemic to kind of explore and be at hotels and travel by way of air and whatnot. So I guess I guess you're one of those guys that uh, got the empty airplane ride to somewhere. So tell us a little bit about your flights and what you found, what you landed at the hotel, I guess. Absolutely. Um, I actually got, you know, I was traveling um, when I still worked for a major hotel company and beginning, I guess you could say the start of the pandemic, I was up in Michigan. So I had to go out of uh, Detroit and, you know, that's a, that's a very large airport uh, international and i got the news and they're like you know you, you need to go ahead and board and, and you know or book a flight and get out uh and i did that and it was you know i didn't know where i wanted to go i didn't know uh, what was going to happen because you know we, we didn't know what to expect and you know i have i don't want to say elderly parents but older parents so i didn't know i'm like okay here i've been out on the road exposed so i don't want to go home to them so i'm like okay well i can go to a friend in atlanta or a friend in florida uh and i actually went to florida and you know i i get into the airport and everybody's just i mean i don't want to say panic but i think everybody's just kind of like everybody had a big question mark over their head um you know what's going on what are we doing everything at that point in time was kind of standard um, and you know, I got through, but then when we got through past security, no restaurants open, everybody was cl- like shutting down. Um, and then when I got on the plane, it was, I, I would say a routine flight. Um, however though, fast forward. And then that's when, um, you know, the news started saying, okay, well, Florida's a hot spot. So I'm like, well, okay, I need to get out of here. Uh, and I, I immediately booked another flight and it was right around the spring break time. And at that time, um, I fly United Airlines. And so here I am in Orlando and I'm boarding a triple seven that is supposed to hold what, 385 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, cause they're, they're expecting spring breakers. Well, there's no spring breakers with all of this that's going on and that, that, that we've heard about. Um, and I get on and I'm, 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 I've been upgraded to first class or business class. And so I'm in this lie flat seat and um, a, a lady, you know, comes on and she sits right beside me and she just looks at me and she goes, do you think it's safe to travel? And I said, well, ma'am, I, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I said, you know, I, I don't know. I said, all we can do is, 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 is try to protect ourselves as best as possible. Uh, and then she said, do you think you have the virus? And I said, well, not that I know of, but I said, again, I mean, it's, it's all too early in these stages. And of course, this lady was so excited because she's going to see her daughter who is expecting a child, first child. And then she's like, you know, I don't know what to do because, 
you know, we don't know how it's affecting everybody. And I said, ma'am, all I can tell you is I think, you know, you, you're going to see your daughter. And if, if that's what's in your heart to do, then that's what you need to do. And you, you're going to go to the destination that you're going to, and you just need to protect yourself as much as possible. So, um, and for me traveling all over the world, I mean, I, I flew 250,000 air miles in, in 2019. Um, Mm-hmm. I'm doing the same things that I always do. I wipe down my seat. I wipe down my tray table. Pre-pandemic, people used to look at me like, what are you doing? And now, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, everybody's doing the same thing. So I was like, you know, it's been uh, it's been a learning experience. Uh, and then you go into the hotel side of things. And I have had the opportunity to stay in, I would say, majority of my stays have been in... Um, upper lifestyle branded hotels uh, from various uh, national brands. And then I've also had a chance to stay in uh, budget friendly. And then also I've had the experience in the last couple of weeks at a, I would say a more extended stay, all very different experiences. And I think, you know, me being a very, um, I'd say, you know, world traveler, um, I didn't know what to expect. So I, I'm sitting there thinking, what are these other travelers thinking? What are the ones that don't travel as much? You know, they don't know what to expect. And my first experience, um, I would say, was not the greatest. I, you know, I had to ask, okay, what's going on? What are the procedures? Now, I, I do need to paraphrase that this is before ma- majority of the national brands brought out their different programs that they have for cleanliness and and, and to, to, to gain trust of the public. Um, and so they basically just were like, you know, verbally, you know, we're, you know, no housekeeping, no restaurant open, no uh, breakfast offerings. We have grab bags. Um, and that's fine. I was, I was totally prepared for that. But then getting into the room, you know, in the first day, everything was exactly as, as we had seen it during, I guess you could say normal times, uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, but then I had a chance to return actually to that same hotel, um, I would say about a month or two into this. So probably, I'd say May, April, May, uh, a completely different experience. Um, you know, still a upper lifestyle uh, hotel uh, in a in, in midtown in, Atl- in Atlanta. So another national major city that's uh, very much, you know, has business travelers all around. Uh, the dynamics of the city, of course, had changed. Uh, everyone's now wearing sure. masks. Um, and Atlanta, I have to say that Georgia was one of those states that kind of, I guess you could say, I don't want to say they, they went fully into lockdown, um, because as we all know, different states did, did, took different paths. Uh, and Atlanta was one of the first ones to open back up. Or uh, Georgia, I'm sorry, uh, was the, one of the first states to really open back up. So uh, on this second stay, so I believe it was in April, um, you know, there were letters given um, and there were sanitations, uh, our hand sanitation centers out, which made you feel more comfortable. Uh, going into things. And then, of course, me being the traveler, I always have in my suitcase, I have the Lysol wipes, I have the antibacterial spray. Um, and, you know, everybody used to laugh at me. Well, guess what? You're not laughing at me anymore because <laughs> we all should be carrying these because at the end of the day, um, before these, you know, programs came out with national hotels, you didn't know what to expect. So you're going to take every precaution to protect yourself because we all have you know, go back to our respected areas and homes and, and we're going to be in contact with people. So, you know, God forbid we take it home to a loved one or to, you know, a friend or a coworker. 
Um, so yeah, so this stay was much different. Uh, I had a letter there that explained everything to me, you know, out of what, what they were doing, uh, what practices they were taking, uh, and, you know, housekeeping, of course, at this time was, you know, you didn't have housekeeping service. You were to put your towels outside of the door and in your trash and they would take care of it. And, and then you called down and they would bring towels and amenities up or you could go down to the front desk. Yeah. Uh, now, walking into this property, into the room, you still had a coffee maker, actually an espresso machine. And the, the pods were still there. Uh, all of the glassware have, of course, been changed out to... Uh, one use where, um, you know, no more glasses, no more coffee mugs, no more pens, no more paper. Uh, the amenities in this in this hotel that they usually had were gone. You didn't have laundry bags. Um, so it was a very different feel. Uh, it, it, it was just like, OK, so, yeah, we, we are. This is a, a different take on things. Yeah, and Zach, too, if you could, I, I did get to go to one hotel during this time period, but some folks might not recognize just exactly what some of those changes were. Like you mentioned, no housekeeping. So typically, obviously, we're used to housekeeping coming by every single day of the week, depending on which kind of property you're at. But most oftentimes, it's a daily routine. So if you would kind of walk through some of the changes you're aware of that had happened, I realize now we're we're kind of moving out of sort of post-pandemic, maybe, but just, just for folks to get a little bit of ideas of how it varied uh, pre-pandemic and during the pandemic as far as staffing or some of the things, uh, like you mentioned, the pens and the cups and things, uh, but what about room service or room cleaning and some of those that you might be aware of? Absolutely. Well, as we know, I mean, it, it took a toll. The pandemic has taken a massive toll on the industry. So um, I was greeted at hotels sometimes by the GM at the front desk. Um, so you know that, I mean, people or companies had furloughs, had layoffs. Um, you had, I had at this one particular hotel, the, the assistant general manager was cleaning rooms. So when you, from a housekeeping standpoint, um, I, I did, you didn't see the hallways with the housekeepers anymore. You didn't have the personal touch or the feel that you normally, you know, you know, you walk outside and, you know, I guess you're a business person. You walk out at eight or nine o'clock in the morning to, to head wherever you're going. You usually see housekeepers in the hallways, none of this. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, you didn't have daily housekeeping service. There was, no, and you couldn't even request to have daily housekeeping service because they're wanting to limit the interaction that they have with guests to, to, to protect themselves and to protect you as the guest. Um, you know, no room service. Restaurants were completely, uh, completely shut down. And everybody knows that hotels, majority of them have a breakfast offering, some of them complimentary. Um, that's gone. There, you know, things have changed. You, you can have a grab bag downstairs uh, that they can offer you, which is going to be a breakfast bar and a, and a piece of fruit usually. And then, you know, everyone's used to the convenience of having the marketplaces or the, or the many stores in the hotels. Um, I've gone in where some of those have been stocked and I've gone into some hotels that have had them completely unstocked. And you have to request those items at the front desk and then they will go into the kitchen area or the area where they have the items and, and they will get those for you. So the food offering, uh, the scene has changed drastically, which is another key component to the hospitality industry. You, all these hotels have restaurants and even the standalone restaurants, they have had to think of these new and innovative ways, which I have seen and experienced what they've done. And some restaurants have done it extremely well and have been able to move from shift 
from you know takeaway curbside service now back to in-person dining at a limited capacity. So I have to say, you know, every every everybody's doing it a different way. Uh, and, you know, I've seen, like I said, great ways. And I've seen some that are just, I guess you could use the word consistent. Uh, mm-hmm. Things have not always been consistent throughout the pandemic of what's going on. And for you and I and, the, and, and Steve, you know, we're, we're, we're travelers, we're, we're hospitality professionals, and we've been in this industry. So we kind of can navigate probably, or I mean, we do navigate much better than the, the general public. So I can only imagine what the thought process going into it of, you know, first of all, safety, and then second of all, well, what is going to be offered? I would assume that majority of hotels have had phone calls ringing off the hook to find out what Mm -hmm. is going on. What are you doing different? What are you offering? So that those that do have to travel during this pandemic, they are prepared uh, when when they are, you know, come in to stay or or to to fly. You know, Zach, one of the things that we used to always say, you know, when we were do trainings and things is we'd remind people that we're, I mean, we are, we were a hospitality company, but we would, I would say we're, you know, we're really not about, selling a room we're about selling an experience and i think that's how most major brands put it out there that it's it's about you know people aren't coming for the location they're coming for the experience that they're going to have at that location you know nobody nobody says hey did you hear there's a hotel you know in eli nevada and everyone says oh there's a hotel there we're going there you know we don't go for the hotel the (laughs) hotel is there for the you know the experience that you get and it's interesting as you talk, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm hearing such a foreign environment from what, what I worked in. And what is your feeling on the experience side of it? Is, is that something that, that travel is just kind of giving up on right now and saying, you know what, we're going to try and give you safe and experience maybe one day in the future? Or are there some things that they're putting in to try and maintain that hospitality absolutely i mean i I saw a good quote earlier today that said um travel is not luxury anymore it's a necessity so you only travel if it's a necessity you know we're not going for that luxury experience but like you said i mean we travel for experiences we've seen the industry shift throughout the years or actually the most i would say most recent years where all the hotel chains have tried to figure out how are we bettering hotels to provide a more um, guest centric experience, not just I'm staying at this hotel, like you said. So everybody's had to get creative and I've read a lot, you know, I haven't, I haven't gone to per se places for an experience during the pandemic. I haven't, you know, yeah, I had a vacation planned for August to go to Rio. Well, there's, you know, beaches were closed in Rio, so I couldn't go have that wonderful experience of the beaches in Rio. Um, it's, I've read different articles. Uh, I, I would say that, you know, the points guy, Brian Kelly, he's always one that's traveling. And he was just in Bora Bora staying at a hotel. And he was talking about the, how the experience has changed, but that this hotel did a fantastic job. You know, they still had the diving that, that Bora Bora is known for uh, the canoeing or, or, or yeah, I guess you could say canoeing around. Um, but everything has had to change, you know, going on a diving trip. I'm a diver too. You know, you, everyone's having, everything's labeled and this is yours. You can't touch anybody else's. Uh, and I think that's going to be the same case, 
you know, for the canoeing, you're assigned to a canoe and you have this one um, canoe that you're assigned to. It's all going to be about how they adapt to this change because there isn't going to be a uh, going back to what it used to be. So hotels are really having to, I think, think outside of the box to figure out what they're doing. I'm sure like you all have seen on, on, on LinkedIn and different uh, outlets that chefs are trying to come up with more ideas on, you know, how do we have smaller conferences at hotels and how do we prepare and how do we present that to them? You know, there's no more buffets. Uh, there's no more uh, stations, cooking stations like, you know, we used to see in conferences. So the whole dynamic has changed and, you know, going forward, um, like I said, I think it's just going to be they're going hotels are going to have to think outside of the box and be unique to still provide an experience. Because I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, the the places that we're known for in the U.S. to travel to and have that experience, you can't go to. I mean, or they're or they're shut down. If you know, let's say that you're a guest coming in from outside of the U.S., you've never been to the U.S. before. What are going to be your most uh, sought after places. It's going to be New York city and Washington DC and probably LA for the West coast. Um, and, and you can't experience Washington DC. Yeah. You can walk around and see the buildings, but you can't experience, um, uh, the museums. You can't experience the monuments. You can experience some of the monuments that you can walk to, uh, and get around, but you, you can't experience anything else. I mean, look at New York, New York is still, I think, I think they're back up now to what 25% for restaurants, but you, you can't go to Broadway, you know, Broadway is going to have to figure out, you know, are we going to do virtual events? Um, and you know, that still ties into the hospitality industry, but you know, I think it's just thinking outside of the box to figure out, how are they going to create these unique experiences that the guests can come for and still leave satisfied? Well, I think if I understand you right there, I think part of the perspective that that uh, you have on this is that to some degree, those those experiences in the pandemic may not come back other than the experience of hotels that have made you feel safe and hotels that have maybe left you questioning <laughs> your safety is that is that is that correct absolutely i mean i look at it as you know pre-pandemic we saw that all of these um the the airbnbs the vrbos of the world uh i think even marriott had different you know you don't have to book a hotel you can book a bed and breakfast um you know hilton was moving more towards lifestyle brands um so these travelers that want that experience of a bed and breakfast, I think a lot of it's going to go back to um, the trust. So do we trust their standards that they've put in place? For Hilton, for Marriott, for IHG, I think the trust is going to be there. I mean, it is going to be there and it's going to have to be there. But I think those brands and those companies will probably see more of a pickup because they have implemented certain uh, standards and procedures. Uh, Hilton has clean stay and they've, you know, teamed up with, um, I think it's Mayo Clinic and, and Lysol and, and Marriott has their version and stuff. So they're going to gain the trust. But for, the, I hate to say, you know, I guess you could call it the mom and pops of the world, which I love going to different bed and breakfasts because you get a totally different experience than if I were to stay at the Hilton or the Marriott down the road. They're going to have to really, you know, go after their clientele of, you know, this is what we're doing to make sure that you're going to be safe while you're staying with us to to get that experience. Um, and, and also 
a lot of people might even end up going towards that way instead of staying at a national brand because there's a certain place that we stay at that my family stayed out at for decades. Well, we're still going to go back there. We've been going there for decades and we trust them. So I think it's going to be the same way for the national Mm -hmm. brands. It's going to all line that trust of how can they get the clientele, the guests to trust them so that you are now safe to travel and you're safe to come to their establishment. Well, you know, we, we always said, you know, when, when we did training for hotels and things was that, it's about building relationships with your client. And what I've thought of as you were talking is just how this is where either you built that relationship and they're going to come back to your property or you didn't, you know, there were, there were places I stayed um, that, uh, and you you talked about inconsistent experiences and things where um, even though the brand was a major brand and it was one known for quality, I went to that property and I didn't find it. I didn't feel it, didn't see it. You know, things were dirty, things were outdated, things were, and, you know, I think those are, you know, properties that maybe we'll never be able to fully come back because the trust wasn't really there to begin with. And then, you know, now when we really need to be able to trust whoever's running our hospitality experience that (laughs) it's just not there. I completely agree. And I think even back about when you were talking about that of, of you know, the trust and, and, and the experience, but I think about those business travelers that, and, and I've been one of those travelers that I've stayed at this hotel based on location, or I've stayed at this hotel based on, I'm going to get my points with this brand. And, but they never were consistent or maybe they never were, you know, they weren't too friendly or they, you know, they didn't build a relationship with me, but then you go into the cleanliness factor of there might be things that I let slide Mm -hmm. because of where it was located. But now during this pandemic, the whole shift has changed. If I'm that business traveler and I go back into that hotel pandemic, you know, that we're in right now because my, my company has started traveling again and I, I see the hotel in the same state. What do you think is going to happen then? Because if you didn't get your hotel cleaned during this pandemic, then you're never going to have it cleaned. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And I'm actually kind of curious now that we've kind of talked about where we're, we're at right now. I mean, I know that you are you're the founder of uh, Bluegrass Hospitality, so you, a consulting firm for hotels and the travel industry in general. Um, I'm certain that. Um, many in the industry are sitting there saying, well, we're alive still. And that's kind of how they're kind of counting themselves is if we haven't gone under, we're doing really good. But there does have to come a point where you look to the future and you say, how are we going to be successful in this post-pandemic world? You know, we certainly have to learn our lessons from this, but we also, I can't imagine two years from now, going into a hotel and having it stripped down to nothing and no service mm-hmm. and, and, and being pleased with that. Um, on the same note, I, I can't imagine two years from now going into a hotel and uh, having them, you know, trying to have a real high touch experience and being okay with that either. Uh, because we now recognize or we, we're now in one way or the other traumatized <laughs> to this idea of germs and of, of things that might remain from the person who stayed in a room before us or sat on the airline seat before us. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so if you were giving advice to the travel industry, 
saying, okay, we're going to come out of this. <laughs> How do we come out? And what is the recipe for success in that post-pandemic world? Yeah, good point. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of different factors in this because at the end of the day, um, I do everything I personally can to keep my, myself safe and my family safe. But I feel like that, yes, I am one of those that we have to get back. We have to, you know, we can't stay in hibernation, I guess you could call it, and, 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 and everything. You know, we are, you know, we're sitting here in 2020 and we have to use the science and the technology that we've been given and that we've developed for all these decades to, you know, to come out of this stronger and, and to say, okay, you know, we, we, we're going to put this behind us. We know it's going to be there. We, we understand that at, at the moment that it's probably going to end up, the coronavirus is going to end up being kind of like the flu. Uh, and you can go back and read. I've done that on my own. I'm sure you have about how the Spanish flu took its course and, and different things. But when it comes into hotels uh, and, and the travel industry, uh, you, there's going to be things that we can't go back to. But um, I take, for instance, um, glassware in the room. That is something I, I want to drink my coffee or my Nespresso out of a cup, a glass cup. Not only because of just the, the you know, that's what I normally do, but also, I mean, we got to look at the, the offset of the carbon footprint. You know, hotels, we don't need to go a step forward in one way and a step two steps backwards in another way is let's look at, you know, uh, recyclables and pollution and everything. So we don't want to be using all these one-shot coffee mugs or coffee glasses so what is it they're going to do to you know to sterilize those and then to put them back in the guest room well one thing that i would come to mind is you know you're going to have your glassware back in there it's going to be sterilized you're going to go through your procedures that you've done and then we're going to wrap those um other things you know you're going to have you're still going to have to have pins in the room but are you going to have those wrapped as well you know right now you see remote controls wrapped all these high touch points have been something has changed and then i think if you look at um, united airlines has done something that i think is fantastic um, they have this little robot that comes on the plane and does uh they're still doing their deep cleans but this robot sprays out a uh, substance that protects the surface for up to seven days so i can only imagine you could you could you know, put this into hotels and, and, and have this used as, you know, your room has been sprayed with this robot and these are the statistics on it and your room is going to be safe so that we can get you somewhat back to a normal experience. So I think we're going to see something like that. I hope so, because we, we, we can't keep on going and, and not offering these experiences. And at the, at the end of the day, some of these hotels, you're still charging the same rate that you were pre-pandemic. But then look at the offering. Of course, the cost savings to the company, to the hotel. But there's going to have to be different ways. You're still going to have to offer, uh, but you're going to have to make it safe. And you're going to have to have people, you know, get behind that. And I also think communication is key. You know, when you check in, that front desk agent making sure that you understand everything that has changed and everything that the hotel is doing to make sure that you have a safe stay and that you also have a nice experience with them as well is going to play a major role compared to the hotels that just, you know, you check in, there's no guest experience. Um, and then also the technology component um, that a lot of hotels have gone to. A lot of the hotels have different platforms that the guests can communicate through an app. Um, I think that's great. Uh, a lot of people have said, you know, oh, it takes away the the face-to-face -face experience, but 
it doesn't. You're still talking to a real person behind there that is working at the hotel and they're still there to help and serve you. So any way that the guests can see something that has changed in a safe way, I think is going to be the positive in the way of the future. Well, and I think even as you, as you talk about that and, that and the way they communicate through the app and things, that was something that, that we were seeing already as there was a there was kind of the old guard that had this perspective that, no, we always need to have people go to the front desk so they can smile at them and have that interaction. And it was kind of, in some ways, a forced interaction. We were going to force you to interact with the front desk. Uh, while some had begun to move away and say, we're going to give them a second option where they can mm-hmm. pick their own room from their phone. They can use their phone to um, actually unlock the door and can have a completely contactless um, experience. And it's interesting as I talk to people, I, once someone had had that contactless experience, that's what they wanted from then on, you know, they might come down and want to talk about, Hey, where's the best place to go eat or, but, but I, I rarely ran into from a customer perspective, someone that said, well, I really miss that moment when I was most stressed in my travel. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Waiting to get off of my feet, standing in line. So I could get the key to go exactly. to the room. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm one of those that like that. Yeah. And I think we'll see that. And I think we'll see that, you know, the guest sees it as all these options that they have. They ha- I think that we're going to see moving forward. We're not going to see daily housekeeping. I think that it's going to be an optional service that if the guest states that they want that housekeeping, uh, on a daily basis, then yes, the hotel is going to provide it, but it's going to be on an optional basis. It's not going to be a given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense from a sustainability perspective as well, as we continue to be more conscious of the environment. Uh, I know when I stay at a hotel, I put the do not disturb sign up, uh, you know, for a, a, say a three day stay. I, mm-hmm. You know, there's enough towels for me. Now, if I'm with my family, obviously, I get some extra towels. But, uh, you know, there's no need to sit there and make my bed for me. I do it at home quite well. And there's no need to pick up my socks off the floor or any of that kind of thing. So uh, not having housekeeping, to me, I, I, I think that's a, a great way to, you know, not only be environmentally friendly, but hopefully in the long haul, that helps save the business a little bit of money. And they'll pass that on to me. Absolutely. And I think going back to Steve's thing on room service, um, it's funny how things reinvent. We don't they they come back in to play. Um, And just on another side note, it's um, everybody remembers the Schwann's man. Uh, Look at how Schwann's has come back into just a major staple in, in society that, you know, people like that convenience of having the food delivered to their house. Um, I know I've been doing it. I've been using Schwann since the pandemic started. So we look at room service, look at uh, pre-pandemic hotels were trying to get away from room service. I know a lot of the national brands had even taken it out of their full service hotels and put in marketplaces down in the lobby. Well, guess what? Room service now is something that is back. Uh, and I think back stronger than ever because that guest wants that least amount of contact with a person. And what better way than to have room service? And room service, I mean, I've seen all these different articles in different ways, how they've done the packaging different. And I think that we're going to see a huge uh, spike in that room service is going to be a main staple back in hotels. Interesting how that happens. What What's old becomes new. <laughs> yeah, well, this has been very interesting, and um, and and I guess you know maybe kind of a final thought or final thing, a question for you is 
let's speak to the traveler or to the person who has, <laughs> I think if you haven't caught COVID during this time, you have caught cabin fever. That is the one disease that I think has been more prevalent. <laughs> yeah, I fever. think we've all yeah. captured that regardless of COVID. <laughs> You're totally right. I'm with you. And so if, if, if you've caught cabin fever, what are your thoughts? When should people start traveling? Can they travel now? Can they do it for leisure? If they can, what are some things that they should take into consideration? What is the best advice you can give someone with cabin fever and a desire to travel? I mean, if you have the cabin fever, and we, I mean, we've all been there. I, even me traveling during this, I still get it. Um, I would say go for it. And the reason being is, um, yeah, you need to take precautions, but just think about it as in a way of, you know, depending on where you live, um, we do see the maps of where the hot spots are. Of course, I would avoid those hot spots, um, especially if you are elderly, you have, you know, underlying conditions, you have children. But I think that, you know, what I've done is there's been places that I can go within my own state. Uh, and I think we're going to see that pick up a lot more of, you know, in-state travel um, as where it wasn't like that before. So I think people are going to start looking now to do in-state travel more than just flying off somewhere. Um, but for me, I would say, you know, do your precaution, do your, or actually do your research, you know, go in, look, where do you want to go? Where are you trying to take yourself or your family um, and, and see the research? And then you make the educated decision of, yes, we're going to go or no, we're not. Um, and then you can, you know, contact the, ho of course, contact the hotel to find out um, because they're going to have the most knowledge of on the ground of what's happening in that particular state and that city. So contact them and ask them, find out um, what is open, what is able, what are you able to book and what are you able to reserve? You know, we see a lot of places that you can book a time slot or a ticket um, and, and that's going to be your option. Then, then, you know, go ahead and do that, but just do your research and then just, just be safe. Um, you know, wear your mask, uh, wash your hands frequently for at least 20 seconds or longer and, um, and, and, and go, go out and travel based on your educated, uh, uh guess. Yeah. Makes good sense to me. I know, uh, and I do think it plays in where you live or how much exposure you've had, but, uh, I I've mentioned several times on the podcast, we're a little bit relaxed where I am. And mm -hmm. so. Um, I don't have some of the concerns that some people do. Um, so it's just a matter of, I think, like you're saying, Zach, being intelligent and taking the mm -hmm. precaution and let's, let's yeah. enjoy life again a little bit. Yeah, right. And, and I, I think that all of us can say that there are places within our state and our communities that we haven't even visited or even thought about visiting that other people come there for. So I think that this is a time that you can go in and, and really support your local community or your state. I mean, all the national parks, I think majority of them are back open and, and there's all those outdoor activities that you can still do safely. Yeah. Well, Zach, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today and going through uh, a topic that's, I, at least to the three of us, near and dear on all of our hearts. <laughs> you know, travel is is what we've made our career out of, our careers out of. Um, and so, again, thank you so much. And of course, if anybody has additional questions for Zach, uh, Zach is the founder of a hospitality consulting 
organization uh, called Bluegrass Hospitality. Zach, how could they contact you if they had um, additional questions? Or maybe maybe we have a hotelier on the line <laughs> listening to this today that might, <laughs> might uh, benefit from your expertise and your experience. Yeah, you can contact me. Uh, thanks, Steve, for that. Um, BluegrassHospitalityConsulting.com is my website. Uh, and then also Zach, and that's spelled Z-A-C at bluegrasshospitalityconsulting.com. And I'd be happy to help. I think that we're going to see uh, all these hotels that need to revive and, and come back out of this. They're going to need some assistance, and I'll be you know, grateful to, to, to be able to do that with them. And I'll certainly make notation of that in the show notes as well. So folks didn't get a chance to jot that down, don't want to rewind, feel free to look at the uh, show notes and we'll, we'll have that there for them, Zach. Well, thank you all so much. And I guess that brings us to uh, acknowledging our sponsor, which is Upwards Unlimited. And um, Upwards Unlimited is there to help any organization with any kind of communication uh, challenge or opportunity, an opportunity to grow. Um, Leonard, I think you you have the spiel down a little better with their four C's of, what are they? <laughs> yes, conversations, connections, collaboration, and community. And of course, Upwards is spelt with an O, Upwards, W-O-R-D-S, unlimited.com. And I'm such a bad well, speller, I didn't know any other way of spelling Upwards. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, Zach, it's great having you on the show, and thank you for your insights. And definitely, uh, I will have additional insights in the near future as I return to work myself. But I appreciate your expertise. And again, uh, look forward to seeing and hearing more from you down the road. And to all our listeners out there, safe travels to you should you get out on the road. And as Steve said, feel free to reach out to us as well at furloughedmailbox at gmail.com. Until next time, have a safe time, and thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.